This is Small Business as Usual, a program about the art of operating small enterprises and the issues faced by the owners. It's a presentation of the Community Economic Development Fund in Meriden, Connecticut. I'm Frederick Welk, a business advisor for CEDF clients. The Community Economic Development Fund is a nonprofit lender providing financing to qualified small businesses in Connecticut that can't obtain traditional bank financing. More about CEDF at the end of the program. This episode is about asking the right questions. Learning how to survive in the business world has a lot to do with uncertainty. Can you live with the stress that it causes? Do you have the right business model? Are you solving the right problems for customers that anyone really cares about? And what are you all about? Are you a true entrepreneur or a small business owner? And what does that mean and does it even matter to you? Recently, I met someone who's perceptive enough to ask all of these questions in the service of others. In fact, he's written a book on the subject. I'll let him tell you all about it. My name is Anthony Price. I started the company Loot Scout based in Middletown, Connecticut. Loot Scout's a company that helps entrepreneurs build better businesses and source capital. And I'm a first-time author, author of the book called Get the Loot and Run how to find money for your business. So the the run part really is sort of a metaphorical point of view is that in business, you only have a certain amount of time to get the business up and running. It's sort of like a runway. If you've got a plane, there's only so much runway you have before you can get that plane up. And so the whole part of developing a small business is to build the business and run as fast as you can because there's gonna be a lot of giants that are gonna be chasing you. And if you're successful, you'll avoid those giants and build a business that can compete with the big businesses. And so run is all about getting your business up and running as fast as you can before you run out of resources. So my, my message for the book is really twofold. There's a couple things that have to happen. First, the book is, is about building a better business. And then the second half of the book is sourcing capital. But the overall message I have is that you have to look inward before you look outward for capital. And a lot of business owners do not look at themselves. They're not self-reflective. So for example, if you're looking to raise capital for your business, you have to figure out, okay, how much capital do I need? What am I going to use the capital for? If it's going to be debt, am I a good credit risk? Those things are easy to measure. You know, what's my credit like? Do I have collateral? If I'm going to a bank, banks are not in the business of losing money. Um, so you want to make sure that you're a good credit risk, that you have some skin in the game, so to speak. So if you're a small business owner and you're looking for capital, the financial institution is going to want some collateral because worst case scenario, if something goes wrong, the bank or the institution needs to be able to get their money back so they can lend to the next promising entrepreneur or small business owner. So that's the main thing I tell business owners. Be self-reflective and look at yourself and figure out, do you have something that is worthy of of being invested in from, from a debt point of view. If it's not something that can be invested in from a debt point of view, then maybe equity is an opportunity that someone may be willing to put some money into your business for a stake. And that's what we've seen with all these successful companies over the years, the Facebooks of the world and all these other bigger companies. They've used equity because they know in the beginning there wasn't going to be any cash flow. So they needed money from someone else to build the business. Over time, they built something that would, had a significant value proposition. So in the end, look inward before looking outside for capital. So I think we're always looking to be better no matter what we do. If we're parents, we want to be a better parent. If we're if we have hobbies, let's say 
say we play chess, we always want to be better. And I think that's the driving force in humanity is to always be better at what we do. And so if you're a business owner and you're complacent and you don't want to be better, you're going to be surpassed or you're going to be out of business soon. So the whole premise of the book is you want to build a better business. So for example, we see companies today that are at the peak of their game, the Amazons of the world. We see the apples of the world. At some point in time, they will not be where they're at if they don't continuously strive to be better. The minute that you stop doing that, then the business is going to go downhill. So in the beginning of the book, there's or the first half of the book, there's a whole bunch of different tips and ways of improving your business. So for example, marketing. There's a chapter in the book about business models. And as I was coming over here today, I went by a store that had a Redbox out there where you rent the videos. And that's an intriguing business model because now Redbox is competing with Netflix and prior to that, it was Blockbuster, and Blockbuster is no longer around. So the whole point is that Blockbuster did not get better. They rested on their laurels. There was over 9,000 stores at one point in time. So the whole premise of the book is to constantly be getting better and better. If not, then you will be replaced. The second half of the book is a whole bunch of different sources of where you can get capital for your business. I would say, you know, if I asked the audience today, how many different ways can you raise capital for your business? Most people might be able to come up with 10 ways, you know, raising money from a bank or, or maybe an economic development source. But in this book, there are over 40 different ways to raise capital for your business. And so that's what I've been able to do is teach business owners to build a better business, which is part one. And the second part is to now, once you know what you bring to the table, now let's go and find the right type of capital for your business. Before I wrote the book and before I became an entrepreneur, my background was economic development. So I worked in three of the five largest cities here in Connecticut. I worked in New Haven, I worked in Hartford, I worked in, in Waterbury, and these are all cities of over 100,000 people. And for, for some places, those may be small cities, but for Connecticut, those are large cities. And so that's how I really learned of, about businesses. I would go out there and meet with the business owners and hear what their concerns were, hear what their challenges were, hear what their futures were, their visions were for their businesses. And so in hearing those concerns, one of the things that I would always hear entrepreneurs say is that I can't find capital. And so the first time I heard that, I said, okay, interesting. Didn't think much of it, but over the years of working with businesses in all these different cities here in Connecticut, it was something that was a reoccurring theme. And so after a while, I said, okay, this must be a problem. Business owners can't find capital for their business. And I said, wow, this is, this is really something. And so at some point, I said to myself that if I'm ever in a position to help business owners, I'm going to start a business to help them find capital. But after that, after saying that to myself and working a few, a number of more years in economic development, I learned that capital really isn't the problem. What I learned is that businesses have to make sure that their business model is the right business model because you can put a millions of dollars into a business that is not going to be successful in the long term if you don't have the right business model. And that's why earlier I alluded to Redbox and Blockbuster and Netflix. I mean, those are all different distinct business models. There probably was room for all of them to survive in, in some shape or form, but you have to look forward. And so after working in economic development for a number of years, I had that bug to go out and start my own business. You know, I, I was out on my own for a number of years and then the recession hit and then I said, okay, business slowed down. I got to go back and work for someone else again. And then I worked for someone else for a number of years. And then I got that bug again and went back on, on my own again. So I've been back on my own again with Loot Scout for, for four years now. So during a slow time, I said to myself, I wanted to put all this knowledge that I've learned over the years from some really wise and successful people from 
people who failed. I wanted to put this information into a book to be a tool for other people to avoid some of the mistakes I've made and some of the mistakes other people have made, but then also too, as a tribute to a lot of the successful people that have been out there that I've learned about. So it was just sort of a culmination of a whole bunch of things. Timing was right. I had learned a whole bunch of things over the years. If I had tried to write a book when I first started out in business, it probably wouldn't have been the book that it is today. So one of the main problems that I'm trying to solve is to get entrepreneurs, as I mentioned earlier, to build better businesses and to always be look looking at the customer. Because a lot of people start businesses and think that you know, just because they have this vision, people are going to run to it. But what I've learned over the years is that you have to be trying to solve a hair on fire problem. And what I mean by hair on fire problem is that if your hair was on fire right now, you would do anything to put that problem out and, and resolve it as quickly as possible. And that's what entrepreneurs need to do. They, they need to go out into the marketplace and solve a problem that needs to be solved in a way that's unique from the other competitors. So that, that's really the, the, the main thing that business owners have to do with. Because at the end of the day, regardless of what business that's out there, all businesses do one thing, and that's solve problems for customers. The, the epiphany that I had is that over the years, I had learned a lot of different things about building a business and obviously staying focused in on the customer. As I mentioned, it, it can't be about you as an entrepreneur of what you're doing. It has to be about the customer and solving a problem for them and making their lives better. My whole thing was I wanted to be a resource for as many business owners as I possibly could. And this book became the vehicle to be the resource because I can't talk to everyone out there. And so that's really what the book is. The book is a way for entrepreneurs to have access to information that they probably wouldn't have in this particular format. Now there's tons of books out there about you know, building a business and capital, but few of them, not many books that I know of, put both of those things together, building a better business in the, in the beginning and the second half, making capital available uh, to them or showing them what the different capital sources are. So I feel good. I feel part of a movement to help entrepreneurs create jobs, create opportunities and solve problems. And so that's really what this book is about, is helping entrepreneurs be successful, release their passion and helping solve problems throughout the world. What are you, entrepreneur or small business owner? Now, I wanted to start the book off this way because it's sort of controversial. Everyone assumes a small business owner is an entrepreneur and vice versa. But if, if you read the book by Michael Gerber, who has the E-Myth Revisited, basically he says that at some point in our lives, we're working for someone else. We all start off working for someone else, or most of us start working for someone else. And at a certain point, this eureka moment comes where we, we say to ourselves, I think I can do this better than the boss can do this or better than the company can do this. And so he calls it the entrepreneurial seizure. We have this seizure moment where, okay, we're gonna go out and start this business. But what happens with most business owners is that after they have the entrepreneurial seizure moment, now it comes time to building the business. And some of us are good technicians, but we're not good at building a business. So we can do the actual work. The carpenter can do the, the carpentry work. The baker can, can be a great baker. The financial planner can be a financial planner. They can do the technical aspects of it, but they don't have the understanding of how to build a business around that. And that's really what happens. So that's really the, the challenge for, for most entrepreneurs. But when you look at a small business owner, most small business owners get into to basically create a salary for themselves. So if you look at the, the number of businesses out there in the US, about 70% or 75% are just one person businesses. And so most people are just looking to create a job for themselves. Let's say, for example, someone gets to be 50 years old and they get laid off. They're just looking to create a job for themselves and they're not looking to expand and scale and grow a business. So I've been fortunate enough to work with, you know, a restaurant 
uh, entrepreneur I helped him start his business about three or four years ago, he started off with one restaurant and two years later he had the second restaurant and now he's in the process of looking at the third restaurant. That's an entrepreneur. This is someone who wants to scale and keep building and building where the typical small business owner is just happy making a living for himself or herself and, and keeping things sort of status quo where the entrepreneur is constantly looking at the future. What can I do? How can I solve a problem? How can I do it on a bigger scale? It's sort of like an apple and orange. One is not better than the other. It's just important to recognize which one you are, whether you're the entrepreneur or the small business owner. So the business model is really how you solve a problem and how you create economic value to the customer. Because at the end of the day, it's about solving a problem and being able to make money. And so there are so many different uh, business models. If you look at LinkedIn, LinkedIn is the, the number one platform for professionals to meet. It's free. And everyone says, wow, it's free. Well, how do they make money? Well, they make money by selling various levels of access to all that information. So they're able to monetize that. So that's a particular business model. You have NetJets out there, which there's a whole bunch of planes throughout the world that are sitting idle. And so what NetJet does is gives you the access to basically fly anywhere around the world once you become a member of NetJet. So that's another business model. You look at McDonald's, McDonald's owns all the real estate and, and everything, and they basically provide a turnkey business. And you know, if things go south, own that real estate that's a that's a different business model than a mom and pop you know renting a location and starting a restaurant so the business model really is the way you can distinguish yourself from another business and then how you create value so i did take a different route than the typical author would most authors want to go to a publisher and say i'm going to write this great book give me an advance and then i'll write the book you'll help me market it and everything is is happily ever after that doesn't work for everyone i mean first of all publishers are gatekeepers and so they decide or have decided for a long time who gets published and who doesn't get published if you don't fit their narrow definition of who should be an author and what topics that they want to market then you were shut out for the longest time so in terms of business models amazon and a whole bunch of other companies have come to the forefront and saying no if you want to publish a book we can provide a platform for you to publish a book and that's what i love about the time that we're in now is that we no longer have to wait for the gatekeepers to bless us and say, now nah, you can go forward. Pretty much anything that you wanna do now, there's a way to do it without having to go to a gatekeeper. And that's why there's been a huge amounts of books that have been published because there are these platforms to do it. So I wanted to do it in a way that worked for me. As I said before, I wanted to solve a problem and help entrepreneurs build better businesses and source capital. I didn't want to spend a year and a half or two writing proposals to publishers and them telling me that I, I can't do it or we don't want to publish you. So there's been a ton of people who've been really successful in publishing their own books and marketing their own books. And that's really what happens is a lot of authors don't want to do the dirty work and actually do the marketing of it. They just want to write the book and have someone else market it. I love both sides of it, writing the book. And this venture has been like any other entrepreneurial venture. I had to write the book. I had to find someone to edit the book. And actually my editor I've never met, she's based in South Carolina. And this is sort of indicative of the times that we're in. And also too, in the index in the back of the book, the person who wrote the index, I never met her. She's based in Denver, Colorado. So this is all part of the kind of do it yourself, eliminate the gatekeepers and investing in yourself model. So the way that I finance this book is through crowdfunding. You know, to do a book or any endeavor, it takes money. And so when I was looking at the book, I said, okay, it's gonna cost money to do the graphic design work. It's gonna cost money to make sure that it's edited properly. It's gonna take money to do the index and it's gonna take me away from my business. And so what I said to myself, a bank's not gonna finance this. I mean, they're not, they're not in the business of, of financing uh, books or, or, and so on. So I said, you know, the right capital fit for this is a crowdfunding. 
And that's what entrepreneurs need to understand is based on what you're bringing to the table, what's the right capital fit for this? So I said, crowdfunding is new or relatively new, but it's growing and it's going to continue to grow. And so I used the platform Kickstarter to fund this book. And so basically crowdfunding is getting small amounts of money from people through the internet from pretty much anywhere all over the world. And there's different levels of crowdfunding. I won't get into all the specifics of it, but I use Kickstarter as a platform. So basically what I did was I told my story. I filmed like a minute and a half video of me saying, I want to solve this problem, help entrepreneurs be successful. And then I pressed a button and my campaign was out there in front of the world. It was a very nerve wracking experience because on Kickstarter, you set the limit in terms of how many days you want to run your campaign. And I had a goal of raising $5,000. So I had 30 days to raise $5,000. If on the last day I only raised $4,999, I got nothing. And that's the unique thing about Kickstarter. It's all or nothing. So what I was able to do was entice people to pledge money to my Kickstarter campaign, and they got the book at a discounted rate. It was definitely a nerve-wracking experience. I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about people who said they were my friends, who liked it but didn't support the campaign. In business, it's important for us to celebrate victories. We see all these business magazines of these successful business people. And a lot of times there's a tendency for us to feel like what we're doing is too small. It's not important. It's not significant. But everything you do, especially being out on your own, is a chance to celebrate, to be happy and not compare yourself to other people. And I think a lot of times when we see that, we're constantly evaluating ourselves and measuring ourselves against people that we shouldn't be measuring ourselves with. Business is very personal. It's about solving a problem and you being able to build your dreams in your life. You know, every year that you're in business, you should be celebrating. Many thanks to Anthony Price for sharing the ideas in his book, Get the Loot and Run. You can order the book and find out more about the help that he offers entrepreneurs and small business owners at lootscout.com, spelled L-O-O-T-S-C-O-U-T. Thanks to Deke Yan Key for music. Our theme is by Orchestral Movement of 1932. Small Business as Usual is presented by the Community Economic Development Fund, a nonprofit organization which provides enterprises in Connecticut with term loans, lines of credit, and commercial mortgages when they can't get traditional bank financing. For the sixth year in a row, we're Connecticut's top SBA microlender. We make business term loans at very nominal interest rates as small as a few thousand dollars and larger business loans too, from a pool of loan capital provided by many of the state's leading banks. There are geographic and or income qualification requirements for the borrowers. You can find out more about all of this at CEDF.com. And this episode of Small Business as Usual is available there. It's number 19-3. So, Anthony, do you think we'll get a lot of listeners for this episode? If not, then you will be replaced.